Hello and welcome. It's a fan check down on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Matt Marchese, Donovan Bennett with you here. Also, wherever you get your podcast. Well, Donovan, just when we thought we were going to have no news, nothing was going to happen. I mean, I jinxed it, so. I was going to say we. we. I never thought that. Yeah, yeah. You knew better than that. Donovan's sitting there on the other side of the table, and he goes, oh, he's going to say it, isn't he? He's going to, yeah, there, he said it, and now it's going to happen. So I was praying for no news so we could actually talk about football games. I mean, we'll still get to them because only one thing happened, but it's kind of a big thing. Um, The New England Patriots, they find a loophole again. (laughs) What else is new? (laughs) And it wasn't even Bill Belichick that did it. This is the best part. So Robert Kraft is the snake in the grass. Um, If you haven't heard the news, uh, uh, it's going to be an introductory press conference. I guess we call it introductory because he's going to be unveiled as the new head coach. Um, He's been with the coaching staff since 2019. It's Gerard Mayo. Goes from inside linebackers coach to head coach. Quite the uh, quite the glow up for Gerard Mayo. He was a first round pick of the organization back in 2008. Played eight seasons with the Patriots. Won a Super Bowl. And he's been coaching with the Patriots since 2019. He's literally only spent his professional football career with the New England Patriots. I never thought that I would call Gerard Mayo Mr. Patriot, but I guess this is where we are. And for those wondering, well, how in the heck did they manage to hire a coach without going through a quote-unquote hiring process? Well, I'll tell you. They found a loophole in the system, and that is if you have it in this person's contract that they are basically the successor to the head coach, well, guess what? You don't have to go through a process. Because it's all contractual. All the legalese, everything that goes along with it, Gerard Mayo is the newest head coach. He now becomes the youngest head coach in the NFL at 37. Do you know who who held that distinction before, Mr. Bennett? Sean McVay. Yes. And do you know um, where Sean McVay stands in the longest tenured head coaches in the NFL at the tender age of 37 and whatever the heck days? Ooh. He's got to be... It's an interesting one. He's got to be three? Five. Ooh. So Tomlin? Tomlin. Shanahan? Nope. Tomlin, Harbaugh, Andy Reid, Sean McDermott. Ah. It's interesting. Um, everything that I've read about Gerard Mayo is hard worker, student of the game, was the guy that would stay late. Like The one thing that I read about him ahead of his draft was... He was a top 10 talent that did not act like a top 10 talent, which to me kind of kind of speaks to the, you know, quote unquote Patriot way here. What was your initial reaction when you saw this? My initial reaction was twofold. One, did Mike Vrabel overplay his hand? And if he got loud and made things uncomfortable and made it him or me, him being... GM ran Carthon after getting the previous GM, uh, not getting him fired, but well, winning, no, he winning, got himself fired by what, trading AJ Brown for the 15th pick, winning a power struggle with him, um, it, thinking that oh, well, I got a soft place to land in New England. Uh, well, that soft place no longer exists necessarily. Now he's obviously going to be a coveted coach, no question. But early in the year, I don't know if you remember it, when Vrabel was back in New England. And they honored him, uh, uh, you know, did a proceeding for him, 
Robert Kraft was hugging him. Mm -hmm. Everyone in New England's like, all right. There it is. We can see it. Like, you, you don't have to spell it out for us. We get it. This is the successor. And everyone in Tennessee was like, hey, you're, you're still a titan. Like, can you calm down? It's that meme of the guy walking down the street looking at the other girl while his girlfriend's still with him. That's basically what it was. Yeah. Like, you can see your ex. And you can give him a hug. But that hug can't be prolonged. Five, it's the five second rule. <laughs> right. And and now there's a departure to that thinking where you go with Mayo. And the question is, Mayo, you mentioned his youth, you mentioned his limited coaching experience and only coaching experience in New England. He might be great and he might be everything that we've heard, everything that is advertised. You know Mike Frabel is great. You, you've you've seen it now. He's gone to one conference championship game. hasn't won a Super Bowl. So, like, let's not get ahead of ourselves. But with what he's had to work with, he has the ability to thread the needle between the analytics community loves him, the hard school, hardcore football community loves him, the players coach community loves him. Like, he's able to speak all of those languages. He's one of the few examples that we have. Mayo might be that, and I love to see him get an opportunity. And, and quite frankly, you know, hiring minorities has been an issue for this league, so I, I applaud when it does happen. Um, but you have a known quantity in Vrabel who knew the Patriot way but also has done stuff elsewhere. If you're in New England, are you excited about this? Because this is just a Bill Belichick disciple uh -huh. with zero head coaching experience. Bill Belichick disciples have not necessarily fared well if you thought the game has passed him by we need a departure from what we had in the patriot way just do your damn job is this that i think i think having the youth on his side i think is a benefit and i think that's where the fan base would go okay I, maybe i'm willing to see this through here's the other thing that we know or we at least we can assume i know what happens sometimes when you assume but here we are the devil you know is better than the devil that you don't. And Mike Vrabel has not been a New England Patriot in a while. And what I gather and what I can deduce here is that Gerard Mayo is not going to rock the apple cart. He's not going to be the guy that comes in and it says, this is my way. This is how we're doing things. It's You can stray away a little bit from being Bill Belichick, but you can still hold certain values that he did as well. And I think that's where this could get very interesting. I'm not saying it's a sexy hire by any stretch of the imagination, but they have had the same head coach for 24 years. I'm not saying that going to Gerard Mayo is the right answer, but it has a bit of a Pittsburgh Steeler type feel to it here. See, I actually think they need the shakeup. You're just coming off your worst season since 1992. And if those players come back in the building and some of the processes are the same, some of the sayings on the walls are the same, I just feel like it kind of feels the same, except the guy who is leading the conversation is not a Hall of Famer. In fact, he's not um, proven in the role. I, I almost feel like you need sometimes to reset, press control, delete, get a new set of eyes on things and refresh things. I, it'll be interesting because... The aspect that I do like about the move is 
you're out in front now. You're setting the pace. There are so many open jobs. There are so many moving pieces in terms of worthy candidates for those jobs. And let's be honest, there might be more, right? It's not out of the realm of possibility to say if things go south in Dallas, if you know Mike Tomlin decides he wants to take a Sean Payton break in, in Pittsburgh, which I, I don't think is is likely, but it has been rumored. If if Tampa says, yeah, we made the playoffs, but we still suck, we're making a change. If if things are terrible for Nick Sirianni, a year removed for the Super Bowl, crazier things have happened. And I, I, I did see a rumor that that would be a job that Bill Belichick would have his eyes on. There are so many potential musical chairs as this thing is moving. I like the fact the Patriots said, we're out here first. In terms of quality assistance, filling out a staff, we've got our guy. Now we can fill out the rest of our football ops, and we're not waiting for the other dominoes to fall. Because we heard from Mark Tressman, you know what these conversations are like. When you go in and you're interviewing for a job, you're not just saying what your plan is. What's your plan at offensive coordinator? What's your plan at defensive coordinator? How are you developing the quarterback? You almost have to have a staff in your back pocket. Mm -hmm. And I think the Patriots now are on the front foot and filling out their staff before anyone else can. So somebody said this to me, not to me. I saw it yesterday and it made me think. And I went, there's no way, but it's possible. Mike McCarthy loses in the wild card round at home mm-hmm. place that, and we'll get to those stats, a place that they have been incredible this season and even into last year. Jerry Jones hires Bill Belichick. I I could see Jerry Jones wanting to do that. I'm not so certain that Bill Belichick wants to go work for a tyrant Gerald, in Gerald world. Well, we talked about this with James Dolan and the Knicks with how many qualified people have gone to work for the Knicks as a coach or GM. And, like, we're talking about some of the most confident, at times irrationally, people in the world. You've had conversations, had drinks with coaches. They all think they're the one who can fix it. Yep. I can fix that player. I can convince that owner. I can build it. And so would Bill Belichick think to himself that he's going to be the one that has Jerry kind of relaxed potentially I mean his mentor Bill Parcells um, made that same calculation at some point and has since said that he enjoyed his time with Jerry in terms of if Bill just want to wants to get these wins as fast as possible eclipse Shula's record and potentially win uh, another Super Bowl you'd be hard pressed to find a better roster yeah one that would be available yep I mean it's it's possible. Anything is possible in today's game. I don't. I don't think that that is out of the realm of possibility. I just think it's like, could you imagine? Could you imagine Jerry Jones, like, like, talking smack about Bill Belichick in the media? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure Bill would love that. Uh, well, I, Bill wouldn't say anything in the media, so that would give Jerry lots of room to talk. Do you know who Bill Belichick's favorite player to coach? 
is in in his career. Um, and and, and what's well, a defensive player? Oh, Matthew Slater. Well, <laughs> no, it's probably maybe his favorite person, Lawrence Taylor. Yeah. Okay. Giants. Yep. They got a linebacker slash DN mm-hmm. hybrid Mike Parsons that reminds people a lot of uh, young Lawrence Taylor. It's very interesting. The defense is already there. They're, they could add some pieces on offense. He's going to have a better quarterback than he's had the last two years. I mean, it's not, I mean, okay. The Cowboys still got to lose this game this week and we will get to it. But yeah, I don't know. Okay. Now we can actually talk about games. Should I be cheering for the Cowboys to lose now as a Cowboys fan? Um, well, I know how you feel about Mike McCarthy. Um, you don't feel so great about him. So maybe you will. I don't, I, you can't root against your team. That's uh, unless they're like tanking. Then you'd be like, yeah, go other team. It's, Let's do it. It's a it's a win-win. The problem is that I'm not confident Jerry would make that choice because I, I sat through the Jason Garrett era where every year we're like, oh, he clearly he's going to get rid of this guy now. Jason Garrett clapped his way out of Dallas. Um, and he'll be on the call Saturday night, actually, which is the game that we're going to talk about. Uh, it'll be Mike Tirico and Jason Garrett on that call. Um, the weather is... In Kansas City, <laughs> looks like a nightmare, and I don't mean a nightmare like it's certainly not what's going to happen in Buffalo, but it's minus. It's going to be minus nineteen. Feels like minus twenty six. Segment seventeen kilometer an hour winds. Um, Kansas City's only win against a playoff bound team was when these two teams played on November fifth in the Munich Bowl. Uh, Tyree Kill goes back to Arrowhead. We don't know the status of Raheem Mostert. I mean, I would guess that he's going to try and gut it out and play. Uh, Jalen Waddle, the same. It changes the game a little bit, but if the weather is as bad as it looks like it's going to be in terms of how cold it's going to be, this really does feel like it favors the Chiefs because, well, they've been there. And the Dolphins don't play well on the road to begin with, let alone playing well on the road in the cold weather. Um, I just I don't see the path here for Miami because Kansas city's defense has been so good. Uh, by the way, chiefs favored by four in that one, the totals 44 and a half. Like, do you see, do you see the dolphins with their explosive offense, just trying to run the ball and control the clock all game with Tyree kill and Jalen Waddle? Cause I don't see that happening. I could see the chiefs trying to do that. Cause I, Isaiah Pacheco's is an animal, but I don't see that happening with Miami. If they want to win, it better happen because that is their path to win. You talk about an explosive offense. That offense has not been explosive of late. Well, since Mostert's been out, I mean, A-Chan's been good, but yeah, w- I agree. Waddle has been in and out of the lineup. Tyreek has had some drops over the last couple weeks. It, the interesting thing about this game, let, let's tackle the cold first. We're talking about negative temperatures in Fahrenheit. Not in Celsius. Well, ones I gave were in Celsius, but yes, it is going to be negative in Fahrenheit. That's yeah. cold. We're talking about a high of minus one Fahrenheit <laughs> during the uh, hours yes. of the game. It, it it could be the coldest game in the history of the league. The Miami Dolphins have lost their last 10 games in not under 10, not under 20, not under 30, in under 40 Fahrenheit degree temperatures. This that's, is, a, that's a great stat. Uh, thank you. Appreciate it. Is that in your column this week? Uh, It is. Ah. is. Uh, Sportsnet.ca will be up there shortly. I filed it right before I ran to the studio to talk to you wonderful listeners. We've heard about it from Tiki Barber. If you didn't hear that, go through the podcast feed and listen because he was great. 
yesterday. When you live in it, it's different. When you're practicing outside year-round, when you're going to, for us, Costco, for them, Sam's Club, freezing in it. Like, you just become accustomed to it, and that's not something they are. And especially, I think it impacts quarterbacks the most. Patrick Mahomes, when when they won their first championship, he had, in the victory parade, he had a T-shirt on, and he was crushing bush, bush lights. Like, he's kind of, he's like that. Uh, Tua, who does not have big hands like Mahomes does, small hand quarterback. Small gloves. Uh, plays in Miami from Hawaii. Like, I, I, I'm. this is a concern. And I get why you don't want to be hit if you're Tua in the first place because of some of his health issues. You certainly don't want to get hit in the cold. I, I think the formula for them has to be to run the ball, especially with the amount of exotic blitz pressures they're going to see from Steve Spagnola, something that they have uh, struggled with, and they struggled with it when the two teams met earlier in the year in Week 9. The interesting thing, though, I think they can have success running the ball because the style of runs that Miami employs runs with uh, jet sweep motion, Runs to the outside and zone runs are the three types of runs where Kansas City defensively is in the bottom three of the league. Not the bottom third, bottom three. Yeah, one, two, three. So uh, Kansas City does a good job of not being gashed for huge explosive plays in the run game. And, And you talked about Miami being explosive offense. But especially on early downs, the success rate you can get when you run against them is incredibly high. So you can stay ahead of the sticks, stay on schedule, and more importantly, you can bleed that clock. So I do think, listen, the coach is supposed to be the run game guy, right? Mm-hmm. That, that's how he got his job. He's the run game guy in San Francisco. Show me. Because we're potentially looking at two years in a row, the Miami Dolphins go into a cold weather football game and get bounced out of the postseason. So all of these exotic you know, play designs and cool, fun plays that we saw in September and early October. Well, if that doesn't track at the end of the year, what's the point? Yeah. You know, the the one thing that I thought about, and as it pertains to the cold and Tua, he doesn't have a strong arm to begin with. And if anybody has ever, and this is how you can, it's, I mean, it's not the same thing, but it's kind of the same thing because it's something traveling through the air. If you've ever hit a golf ball when it's freezing cold, it doesn't travel as far. You trying to cut through the cold throwing a football not going to go very far. I don't see them being able to take deep shots down the field. I don't see them being able to, you know, really kind of expand their playbook and stretch out this defense because that's one thing that teams have not really been able to do against the Chiefs to begin with is really, you know, gash them for deep plays down the field. Now you're really not going to be able to do that. Now, does that help the Dolphins in a way? Because, okay, it, it, it makes the playbook a little bit smaller, but also it's the one thing that they've had success with is the short passing game and getting guys open quickly and getting, you know, all those yards after catch. Are they going to be able to do that? Because, again, we've seen the proof of this all season. If you jam these receivers at the line, if you just kind of get in their way on these crossing patterns and slow them down, even for half a second, Tua is not good at making those throws into tight windows. 
And in this cold, I can't see him and the lack of arm strength being an, an issue here for the Kansas City defense. I love that you talked about the line of scrimmage and rerouting those receivers, something that Legereus, Steve, Trent McDuffie, two pretty physical long-arm corners really do. And it's something that no one does against the Dolphins. Why? Because if you miss at the line of scrimmage, it's a big play behind you. So people play off because they're so afraid of the big play against the Dolphins. But you mentioned Tua. He's a timing rhythm thrower. He's not someone who's really reading the defense. He's throwing on time, on rhythm to a spot because his arm isn't that strong, hoping that you're there. Well, if you're rerouted at the line of scrimmage, you're not going to be there at the same time. Hey, you're not there. So that's why we've seen an uptick in the interceptions from Tua, not necessarily because he's making bad decisions because he's being forced to make those decisions earlier and the timing is a little bit off. And and that is something that we saw, again, when the two teams played um, in in week nine. And and Tua was pressured a lot, uh, you know, blitzed on 35% of dropbacks in the last two weeks leading into this game. So uh, the, the method in terms of how to defend them is out. Previous to that, they're only blitzed 19% of the time because people were so afraid to blitz them with all that speed. Uh, quickly on the Chiefs side of things, does the lack of explosive offense concern you? I mean, maybe the weather takes away that that concern because the Dolphins aren't probably going to be able to play the same way. But for the Chiefs, is there a, the lack of explosive offense? Does that worry you about them in this game? Or do you just say, look at the defense. They're going to be able to contain these guys. The offense will just kind of get it done and it's not going to be pretty. They may not score more than 20 points, but they they'll just kind of get by here. The lack of explosive offense does concern me only because this team is not disciplined enough to drive the field on you. There's going to be an offsides, a procedure, a holding penalty, a key drop. Notice how Donovan may mentioned three or four things along the offensive well, line. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, the offsides sometimes are just on your receiver. Yeah, that's true too. Yeah, yeah, and, that's true. And so that's, I mean, obviously explosive plays are exciting, right? They're, they're, they're flip the field. But part of their value is you, if you go for 40, you get four first downs and one. You don't have to consistently, you know, be assignment correct uh, you just have to do it on one play. They haven't necessarily had that ability this year, and thus it puts a greater emphasis on the fact that they're not playing clean football. The interesting thing, and I, I want to know what you do if you're Vic Fangio. You, you've got Jalen Ramsey, mm-hmm. and you essentially haven't really wanted to travel him, done it in spots, but you essentially have a choice because their receivers are really not threatening. To try and take one person out of the game. Now, historically... That would be Travis Kelsey. Mm-hmm. You might put Ramsey on him and put a safety over top. At this point in his career, I actually think it might be prudent to put Jalen Ramsey on Rasheed Rice and say, rookie, your first ever playoff game, you get a, an aggressive corner and just deal with Travis Kelsey because Travis Kelsey has not been threatening you know, throughout the year. Because no one else scares me on that offense. I think the key is what you said there. No one else scares me. How about no one scares me? You know what I would do if I was Vic Fangio? I would just try. I would, my focus would be beat me through the air because I know your receivers aren't good enough. I'm gonna, I need to neutralize Isaiah Pacheco. He's the only guy that scares me. Honestly. Like, I look at the rest of that team, and I'm like, Rasheed Rice has been good, but he has plenty of drops. 
Travis Kelsey hasn't been the same player and he may be battling injury. I don't know, but he's not the same player. I know he had an ankle injury earlier in the year and that has probably lingered and it's cold. Like I, for me, I think if if you're Miami and you can neutralize the run game, I think you give yourself a great chance to win. But if Isaiah Pacheco gashes you for 110 yards on 22 carries, guess what? The, the game's over because Patrick Mahomes can then dink and dunk his way down the field. He doesn't need to be super creative, and they'll win. That That's what I would do if I was Vic Fangio. So you got eight in the box all game. Pretty friggin' close to it, yeah. I think so because I, I just this team offensively does not scare me. Isaiah Pacheco actually scares me. In a cold weather game, a guy who's kind of crazy, he's the one who scares me. It's interesting. You you're losing both of your uh, edge rushers and your middle linebacker to injury. So <clears throat> you you to your point could just play a numbers game and say I, I'm just going to throw helmets at it. And yeah. throw as many people at the box as possible because I don't have the same caliber of player. So I'm just hoping I get some free runners and, and make some plays that way. Yeah, make Patrick Mahomes work for this one. Like, that that's what I would do. Make him work. Uh, let's take a break because we don't have enough time in this block to get to the next game. But let's take a break. When we come back, um, the weather's going to be, well, it's going to be horrible. It's like snowmageddon all over again in Buffalo. And, uh, well, some of us who watched that game last year, I'm not feeling super confident ahead of this one. Uh, it's a fan check down on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Matt Marchese, Donovan Bennett. We'll be back after this. Everything Raptors before and after the games. The Raptor Show with Will Liu. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. It's the Fan Checkdown on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Matt Marchese, Donovan Bennett, and of course, uh, we have breaking news. We don't need to spend a ton of time on this one, but... Greg Popovich. No. Stepping down. No. Okay. I just not with, like the week of old people retiring. Not with Wemby there. Um, This is from... Well, for Adam Schefter had it first. The season's first general manager hire. Commanders are hiring 49ers assistant GM Adam Peters as their general manager, as the exodus of 49ers staff <laughs> continues, whether it's Robert Sala or D'Amico Ryans, now Adam Peters. Who's next? Steve Wilkes? Maybe. He's, he's getting interviews. Um, okay, let's focus on this game here. Steelers at Bills. Bills favored by 10 points. The total is 36. The weather is going to be absolutely atrocious. Uh, minus 5 degrees Celsius feels like minus 14 is the projected temperature. 10 to 15 centimeters of snow. 46 kilometer an hour winds with wind gusts up to 69 kilometers an hour. Nice. They're also getting up to 10 centimeters of snow the day before. Donovan, I watched this team play in the snow last year. It was absolutely pitiful and do i have a reason to be scared here by the way gabe davis will not play taylor rapp will not play so gabe davis not being there does not make me any more confident taylor rapp uh, well mason rudolph in that weather is not gonna be able to throw the yard the ball past five yards so i'm less concerned about taylor rapp i don't know i think you want some safety help over over pickens listen when he checked his weather app this morning. 
Your boy Josh Allen was grinning from ear to ear. Like, don't you feel like he would want this and love this? No, because I saw how he played last year in the snow. It was horrible. But he's a lineman who, like, is asked to play quarterback, essentially. Like, playing quarterback is the penance that he pays to be able to, you know, at some times tuck the ball and run into people. <laughs> You're not helping me here. Like, Gabe Davis, I know people are like, oh, Gabe Davis, he doesn't catch many passes. And, uh, it's... Gabe Davis is very important to the run game for this Buffalo Bills offense. I'm assuming we get to see a lot of James Cook, a lot of uh, Ty Johnson, a lot of Leonard Fournette. I would not be surprised if they dressed four running backs and we see Latavius Murray as well. Am I concerned about Gabe Davis in the passing game not having there? No, because I think Khalil Shakir does a great job. Dalton Kincaid was great. And Stephon Diggs looked better last week too. The thing is, I don't think they're going to throw the ball a lot in this game. Like, it's going to be a nightmare. It's This is, you know what this is, Donovan? This is exactly the weather that the Pittsburgh Steelers wanted. Because they're not going to get gashed for big plays through the air because, well, the weather's going to be horrible. By the way, the Steelers are 1-10 in 10 without TJ Watt, so it makes me feel a little bit better, but not much. That's the big one. It's just I don't imagine that defense being nearly as disruptive without him in the backfield on every other play. In general, when there are inconsistent variables like bad weather, that does favor the lesser team because you're, you're just trying to create chaos and muck the football game up and limit the amount of possessions and have a little bit of variance in terms of what happens. Ball is slippery and bouncing all over the place. Maybe you fall on it. And so Ty does go to the team who's the underdog, I suppose. It is of great benefit to be the home team in in bad weather. you got more options for cleats. You have more options to stay warm. But it's not like the team you're playing in Pittsburgh is – not used to bad weather football. They play in a division where every game essentially is bad weather football. So I I don't know if it makes me feel that much differently about the game because I think coming in, both teams are going to look to establish the run. The Steelers' run game has been better of late. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, everyone who's done with uh, Najee Harris and was ready to get on with the Jalen Warren experience has had a second thought over the last uh, couple weeks. So I think, forget about Josh Allen, I think this is a James Cook game. Show me his stat line. Hasn't been great the last couple weeks. Nor has the offense. Show me his stat line at the end of the game and show me nothing else, and I believe I will know who won. I hope so. What, do you hope so? I'm like, this is that, that... Why does this feel like therapy for you right now? Because it is. Because... And this is for lack of a better term. I have PTSD with this organization. I think I have every right to have that because just when you think the here's the, here's the one thing that makes me feel really good going into this week. The defense has been amazing. The defense has been since the bye week, one of the best units in football. They, the difference is, is that early in the year they were, they were causing turnovers and that's where they were putting the offense in good spots. And then there was that stretch where they were playing like bleep and they weren't getting those turnovers. They weren't getting the pressure on the quarterback to make him think the secondary wasn't playing well, all of those things. And that's when they were losing, but now they're forcing turnovers again and a couple interceptions last week. 
you know, the, the defense gets after it and you don't feel like they're going to get beaten up. The other thing is, is I don't have a lot of faith in Mason Rudolph as the quarterback. I know, you know, he's, he was good in the two previous games uh, before Baltimore, but in that Baltimore game, he wasn't good. The weather was horrible. It was raining. It was nasty. It was a slog. Obviously it's advantage bills quarterback. The running backs are, I, I think it's advantage bills, but Najee Harris has been better. And do the receivers matter in this one? Like, if the weather's this bad, do you really look at it and go, oh, man, I'd rather have George Pickens than Deontay Johnson at this point? I'm not sure that that matters here. So if I'm going based on running backs, quarterback, and defense, yeah, the Bills should run away with this one. But they're the Buffalo Bills, Donovan. But this is not going to be the Mac Jones. We're only letting you throw it three times in the snow game. Well, if the Bills get out to a lead, yeah, they're not going to be able to have him throw three times. He's going to throw ten. You mentioned the health of Gabe Davis. To me, I think the Bills player that did not practice Thursday did not practice Wednesday that gives me concern is Rasul Douglas. Yes, 100%. It is a different defense. I do wonder about him resting, though, because he was on the bench in that game. Like, Gabe Davis, after he got hurt, was street close. Rasul Douglas was still in his equipment, and I I wonder if they're just, hey, you know, you've been awesome. You deserve a little bit of a break here. Resting in terms of he's not got, practicing, he's got, or you're saying load management and he doesn't play wild card weekend? No, no, no. Like he, like I think he's playing. That's what my thought. Now they could also again look at the weather and go, do we really need a really good corner in this game against Mason Rudolph? Ah, we should be fine. I don't like that line of thinking. If he's hurt, he's hurt. That's fine. Um, but you know, no, no Tyrell Dodson either linebacker who's been really good in helping stop the run like there's there's some pieces see look look what you've done to me this therapy session has actually made me more angry oh boy that's not how it's supposed to work take a deep breath go through your list of things to be grateful for not being a bills fan i'm actually gonna go the other way i you got a big quarterback with big hands and strong arm you're on the big hands train today what's going on are you a draft analyst i mean it helps it helps you control the football it's it's <laughs> imperative I, to me we're not talking about high school football where we're literally using one ball that was in a shed for months <laughs> every ball that comes in is going to be in great condition and dry you're going to be able to throw it thus you should be able to catch it to me rain is worse than snow in snow games to me it's advantage offense advantage throwing game because as an offensive player, you know where you're going. Imagine, like, it's hard enough to get to your car uh, on a driveway that's snowing. Imagine backpedaling, trying to cover someone who runs a 4-4. Yeah, not so, great. So I actually think you may not see them throw it as often, but when you take a shot, you take a shot. And I think you could see big plays in the passing game, which is why in a game like this, pick and scares me, which is why I think Rasul Douglas' health is paramount. I, as you fill out your playoff fantasy teams, I just wouldn't discard skill position players in this game. I don't feel we're like gonna it. come back. It's gonna be 150 yards total offense. Yeah, it's gonna be like a six-three game, and God knows I've seen those with the Buffalo Bills. Okay, let's move on. Packers at Cowboys. Cowboys favored by seven and a half points. The total is 50 and a half. Jordan Love coming into this one, back-to-back NFC Player of the Week honors Mike McCarthy, gets his former club and the potential to start a nice little Super Bowl run here. 
I'm going to rhyme off some stats for you and why it's so imperative that the Cowboys got the number two seed and get to play this one at home. 37.4 points per game at home where they were eight and oh compared to 23.3 points per game on the road, allowing 15.9 points per game compared to 20.9 on the road, eight and oh at home, four and five on the road. Does the Green Bay offense, and I, if I had asked you this question after week six, you would have been like, no, the Green Bay offense does not worry me. Does the Green Bay offense worry you at least a little bit with the Cowboys because we've seen them do it without Christian Watson. Jaden Reed's been really good. Dontavian Wicks. Bo Melton out of nowhere. Um, and Aaron Jones looks healthy and Aaron Jones is a key component to making that offense move. And last but not least, Jordan Love's been excellent since week 11. Oh, the Packers offense should scare you. I, I think the offense has carried that team, the transition that they've had in the secondary in terms of uh, health and really Jair Alexander's behavior. Jordan Love is playing the position of quarterback arguably right now as good, if not better, than anyone the degree of difficulty on his throws, the ability to take chances in the big play pass game, and the fact that pressure doesn't face him, which is, I think, the, the real rub here because Dallas leads the league in terms of pressure rate. Their formula defensively is they're going to pressure you into mistakes, have a ball-hawking secondary that's going to turn the ball over, give their offense short fields. Jordan Love... His QBR went under pressure since week 10 is 75. Only QB with a better one is the other QB in this game, Dak Prescott, hmm. at 78. I think we're going to see some real offensive fireworks. And I think Green Bay, with the amount of you know fast physical receivers that they have and the fact that you know their, their run game was treading water for the balance of the year. Now they have uh, a, a back who can catch it and – Give you a little bit more punch in the run game. And Jones, yeah, I, I think Green Bay's offense for sure is a factor in this game. The key for me for the Dallas Cowboys in this one is not going to be, because I, I think that, that Green Bay's going to get their points. Regardless of how good Dallas's defense is, I think Green Bay's going to get their points. I think this game is closer than the seven and a half point spread would indicate, um, which would be a feather in the cap of the Packers anyway. If they can't run the ball effectively, uh, Dallas I'm talking about here, which they really haven't been able to do. I worry a little bit like CD lamb's great. And Brandon cooks has his moments, but against this Packers defense who kind of been very mediocre against the run. I think that you can do yourself a lot of favors. If you can establish some sort of a run game here, because then it just opens everything up. And I know that that's very basic thinking in terms of football, but I think it's important here because you're going to need to be able to score points in this one. Green Bay's defense has had their moments where they've looked good. They've had their moments where you go like, you know who they could use right now? Rasul Douglas. And you look and say, okay, they're here. But the other thing that Green Bay has going for them, which Dallas does not is Green Bay's playing with house money. This is, I know it's a playoff game and every game is must win, but this means more than just being kicked out of the playoffs. For the Dallas Cowboys, this is has far-reaching implications if they do not pull this off. Well, that's one of the reasons why I think it's so important for Dallas to get off to a good start and play with a lead. Their defense is much different 
when they are playing with a lead, the other team is forced to pass a little bit more. They can pin their ears back and get after the passer. But just the vibe in that stadium, in Jerry's world, if they get down early and and they don't really look convincing, it's not going to be a party as it can be. One of the reasons why they're so good at home is it gets loud. And again, that, that with that pass rush is difficult for opposing offense. It is going to be as silent as a church in there if they're down early, because at some point there becomes an expectation of, Oh yeah, that's right. Well, we're not different. Mm-hmm. We've seen this movie before. So I, I think the, the first quarter, first couple series of that game is paramount. C.D. Lamb has been one of the best receivers in football. Dak Prescott has been one of the best quarterbacks in football. That connection really took a step forward this year. Um, the other part about the offense is, like, in this big game, C.D. Lamb needs at least 14 targets. Like, you, he needs to be the focal point of the offense, which he has been. But if you're Green Bay, like, are you trying to double cover him? Because then it's like, okay, beat us with Brandon Cooks and Jake Ferguson. That's fine. But, like, you are blanketing coverage to wherever the heck C.D. Lamb is going because he has been that good. Do I think C.D. Lamb can still perform in double coverage? Absolutely I do. But to me, if you're going to be – if you're the Green Bay defense and you want to limit something, you better try and limit C.D. Lamb because that's who's going to do the most damage here. I think that's been the plan for a lot of teams. And C.D. Lamb has really worked. so good yeah. that it, it doesn't work because he is a receiver where you don't know where he's going to be pre-snap. Goes in the slot, can play all of the positions, and they give him so many choice routes, and he has such a great relationship with Dak that you really can't be right. The only way you can be right is you just physically blanket him in man-to-man coverage, which not many people can or are willing to try to do. If you shade him inside, he converts to a route that's an outbreaker. If you you know play underneath him, he converts and goes over the top. I think that's why he's so difficult in terms of the willingness to go to Cooks, to go to Ferguson, Dak has shown he's willing to go to them in big spots and make plays. And out of the tight end position, Ferguson specifically, they've had consistent play since since Jason Witten. Dalton Schultz was a a nice consistent player. But they haven't had the explosive plays from the tight end position since Ferguson. He's hurtling guys. He's beating the Tampa 2 safety down the field for big explosive plays. Uh, against a Barry defense, I think actually Ferguson uh, is a big player to watch. I think he's going to be a big player to watch as well. Okay, one more. Rams at Lions. Uh, This is the Sunday nighter. Lions favored by minus three. This is the highest total of the weekend at 51 and a half. It's maybe the most intriguing matchup of the weekend as Matthew Stafford goes back to Ford Field to take on his former team in the Detroit Lions. It feels like a lot of pressure on Jared Goff against his former team. It's a team that didn't want him, and they won a Super Bowl, so they're kind of justified. But um, they're also the better team. Like, talent-wise, they're the better team. Maybe maybe the Rams have the better quarterback. Maybe the Rams have the better duo of receivers. But when you break it down, the Lions should be the better team in this one. They're also the two-seed, or the three-seed, sorry. Like, but then I look at it and say, the Rams have surprised me all year, and I should not be shocked at this point if they do anything. If the Rams went on a run here... I shouldn't be shocked because they've been good all year. Like you mentioned before, it's the best coaching job that Sean McVay has done with what he's been given. 
he when he had a Super Bowl roster with all these guys that took one-year deals that just wanted to show up and play, that's a totally different thing. This is a young roster. It's a roster that's going to grow. And let's not forget, they have literally the best rookie wide receiver in terms of stats that we've ever seen. And a lot of that is the job that Sean McVay has done. No discredit to Pukunakua, but Sean McVay has helped make him into that guy. I don't know if I agree with your premise that the Lions are a better team. They Jeez. have a better record. I think they have the better overall roster. I don't know. So much of the way we view the Rams was how last year went and what our expectations were for them this year. They've won seven of the last eight. The only loss was to the Ravens in overtime. Now, it was a relatively soft schedule. They played the Niners when the Niners weren't playing anybody. I get it. But they've still been on a heater. And if you look at some of the key positions and you go mano a mano, are you not in favor of the Rams? Quarterback. Well, we know the Rams decided who they thought the better quarterback was. That's Stafford. Run game. I love Gibbs. I love Montgomery. Williams, to me, is pretty good. He's been really, really good. Amon Ross St. Brown's probably the best receiver in the game, but the best receiving group. When you throw in uh, Puka Nakua and Cooper Cup, it, it might be the Rams. We'll see if Jameson Williams can make big plays consistently. Aiden Hutchinson's a beast. In a one-game sample, I'm more afraid of Aaron Donald. Now, it's been Aaron Donald and the Donaldettes in terms of the defensive players uh, around him, but they've found a way, and credit Raheem Morris, who's put himself in conversation for some head coaching vacancies, they found a way to, to, to scheme it up and get pressure. Every year, it, wild card weekend, we just look at the seedings. And say, oh, this will be chalked. That team's at home. They'll win. And, that team, and then there's a couple games that go the other way. And in hindsight, we're like, well, of course. We, we shouldn't be beholden to what the records were over the last 18 weeks. We should evaluate how these teams are playing right now. And I'm not certain... The Rams aren't coming in playing better. And, and a big part of that is because Dan Campbell foolishly made Sam Laporta play meaningless football, and he went and got a bone bruise. Well, that's going to be the key here for me is, is Sam Laporta going to play? I'm glad you brought up Dan Campbell because I wanted to, I wanted to at, uh, talk about this because I had this thought, and Dan Campbell has been a gambler. He has taken chances. And you can say, well, you could do that in the regular season. You can't you can't fake punt from your own 30 in the playoffs, can't you? Well, this is going to be my question. We're going to learn a lot about Dan Campbell and his willingness to continue to be a gambler here because I don't know that you can do some of those things in the playoffs because everything is put under a microscope. And I'm not saying change who you are because I think some of those things and the timing of them are like, "Okay, why are you really why are you doing that? And why is that the fake punt that you're doing?" Um but I look at this and say, can he be a gambler in these situations? I think we're going to learn a lot about Dan Campbell here. Should he be? It might be the question. Will he be? I think we know the answer. Dan Campbell's going to Dan Campbell. It, they essentially were in a playoff game where the two seed certainly was up for grabs. Potentially a shot at the one seed is up for grabs. And he just continued to roll snake eyes. He did not care, did not <laughs> blink whatsoever. So I don't think first home playoff game for the Detroit Lions in the Dan Campbell era, 
Well, first home playoff game in 30 years, well, too. that, too. I don't think he changes it all. Listen, life is about trade-offs. And you're going to have to take the good with the bad. And the culture resetter, we don't care. We're not afraid. We're going to execute. We're not going to blink, Dan Campbell, is also not going to be the time and score, complimentary football game management guy. Like that. He, that's not him. And it, it, we'll see. Because you know either way, Shows are going to lead with it. It's either, man, look at this refreshing. All these other football coaches are cowards. Or is this guy insane? Yeah, is he is he uh, cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs? Okay, we got about a minute left, so we got to get our predictions in here, Donovan. Let's start with the oh first boy. game tomorrow. Browns at Texans. Give me the Texans. I'm going to take the Browns. And you know me, I love the Texans. There's something about this Joe Flacco story. He's going to go into Baltimore. And he's going to beat the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, Chiefs, Dolphins. Chiefs. Yeah, I'm going with the Chiefs as well. I think that's the easiest one of the week. Yeah, it's kind of... Mm, you're making me... Now you're making me squirm a little bit. Bills, Steelers. It's got to be the Bills. Relax. It better be the Bills. Packers at Cowboys. How about them, Cowboys? This is where I'm going off the board. You would. I'm taking the Green Bay Packers here. There's some... I don't know, man. Something about that team. I don't blame you. Rams at Lions. Going with the Rams. I'm going with the Lions. So we differ on the last two games of the weekend. And, of course, on Monday we're going to come back and they're going to end in a tie because that's football. I'm kidding. Obviously they can't. Um, And then we get to preview that wonderful Monday night game between the Eagles and the Bucks. Thanks for joining us this week. It's been a lot of fun. There's been a lot of news. If you missed anything, make sure to download the podcast and have a listen. Thanks to Lance behind the glass. Donovan across the table. Enjoy the weekend of playoff football. We'll be back on Monday. Go Bills.